This is Hockey Central 960 with Haley Salvian on your official home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. All right, for the last time this week, welcome into Hockey Central here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Haley Salvian here with you for the next hour. No more introductory press conferences that we know of. It's media day to kick off the Stanley Cup final in Vegas. Yes, that's right. Finally, the Stanley Cup final is here. After a bit of a layoff between the conference final and the final game one between the Florida Panthers and Vegas Golden Knights. It's tomorrow night. Puck drop at 6 p.m., 8 o'clock Eastern. Vegas is back in the Cup final since their inaugural season in 2017-18 when they lost to the Washington Capitals. Meanwhile, Florida making their return for the first time since 1996. Somebody is winning their very first Stanley Cup. Kind of makes it fun to cheer for both teams in that sense. But you can also yell at me and say, why would I cheer for Vegas? I don't like the Golden Knights. Or why would I cheer for Florida? They stole all the Flames players. Pick whoever you want. It's fine. I think it's going to be a pretty tight contest. These two teams seem like they should match up well against each other and will provide an entertaining and close Stanley Cup final. Will that Does that mean it's going to be a seven-game series? Does that mean it's going to be another four-game sweep that's not a sweep like we saw between Florida and Carolina? I doubt it's going to be the latter. Um, I think it'd be more fun if we went to seven. Although if it goes to seven, then the cup final isn't going to, we're not going to see the Stanley Cup be awarded until, what is it, June 19th? It's a long ways away still. And only a week before the NHL draft, but that's okay. We've got time. Um, I don't think I can sit here and pretend to know exactly how this Cup final is going to go. I'm going to be honest with you guys. I think prognostication is a fool's <laughs> task. I think my pick is constantly changing. I see a new stat or I watch a new clip or I zoom in on a different player and I keep changing my mind. I initially went with Florida because of Sergei Bobrovsky and I kept picking against them and they kept winning. Uh, but Vegas is no dark horse here. They've been highly effective in all three zones throughout the playoffs, even in the regular season. Bruce Cassidy is the team playing a really strong system. Aiden Hill's been excellent. They also have a ton of experience when it matters on this roster. They have six players from the original expansion roster that would have gone to the Stanley Cup final. That's William Carrier, William Carlson, Jonathan Marcheseau, Riley Smith, Braden McNabb, and Shea Theodore. And they also have guys who have won the Stanley Cup before and played meaningful roles in doing so. That's Alec Martinez, Alex Petrangelo, Ivan Barbashev, Jonathan Quick as well, um, although he hasn't been playing a meaningful role with the Vegas Golden Knights in the postseason. He is there as well. I, I believe the only cup winner in Florida that we're actually going to see on the ice is Eric Stahl. Patrick Hornquist obviously won a Stanley Cup with the Pittsburgh Penguins, but he's not going to be playing in the cup final for the Panthers. Um, 
So there's lots to get into as we preview the Stanley Cup final here on Hockey Central. We're going to bring in our first guest of the day. It's uh, my friend, Dom Luce-Tishin from The Athletic, and he joins us now on the Atlas Pizza Guest Hotline to tee up the Cup final between the Florida Panthers and Vegas Golden Knights. Dom, how are we doing? Have you had a nice three weeks between the Western Conference final and the Stanley Cup final? Yeah, it's been it's been really nice. I feel like it was such a hectic playoff delivering content and goodness to everyone and it was nice to just relax and wait for this what I think is a wonderful Stanley Cup final I'm excited for it I was saying before you came on like I don't think we're gonna get another one of those you know it's over in four games but it didn't really feel like a sweep because every single game was close and had so many overtime periods um but I, I think, I don't know if it's going to go to seven. I, I just, I don't have a great read on what's going to happen because I think these two teams match up really well against each other. Yeah, I think so too. And I, I don't really have a good read either. I think this is a true 50-50 series. And I think that's part of the fun. Uh, you see, you hear a lot of people, uh, I think, complain about predictability or unpredictability or whichever way it goes. And I think there's times where, as someone who measures the odds, it's nice to just have a series where it'll just be whoever plays better wins. And I think both those teams have gotten this far because maybe they got a few bounces along the way, but their their paths to get here were pretty impressive, I think. And I think they've, they've earned their spot here. Who do you think is going to win this one? Like, I, it's a 50-50 series. I think the odds on your model favor Vegas just slightly. Like, I think it's mm-hmm. 54% for Vegas uh, from the from the series preview. How do you look at the model and you look at the preview and you look at the matchups and then think to yourself, like, in like your gut or your heart or whatever, who, who do you pick in this one? What do you think, Florida or Vegas? I am picking Vegas only because I think the hockey gods don't want me to be happy and they're going to pull the rug out from under me and say, (laughs) well, this team you bet on at 50 to one beat your favorite team, beat another team you bet on a lot and they're going to get this close and then they're going to disappoint you. That just seems like the logical way this works out. Um, That's my only real read on this series. Other than that, I just, I'm ready to be entertained and not think about it too deeply. I think sports is sometimes at its best when you're just you're just going off the vibes. And I like Florida's vibes right now, but mm-hmm. I, I think Vegas is maybe the, the deeper team here. What do you think made Vegas a bit of a dark horse pick, despite the fact that they were the team that won the West in the regular season, like going into the playoffs, I think they had a 4% chance at winning the Stanley cup heading in. And maybe that was because uh, of it was Phil Kessel that was in the lineup at the time. And they put in Will Carrier and they get a bump there. What was it that made Vegas a bit of a, you know, not a lock to make it to the cup final, despite the success in the regular season. Yeah. I tweeted that it was two dark horse teams and got a lot of people. Oh, complaining. I know. I, <laughs> Like, no one was picking Vegas to start, I don't think. Well, obviously a few here and there, but I think if you said it would be Vegas, Florida in the finals, no one's really saying that. And I, I remember so many brackets had Edmonton, a lot had Colorado, a lot had Dallas as maybe a more favorable pick. I think Vegas 
for the for rightly or wrongly sort of fell through the cracks in that vein. And part of that was how they looked without Mark Stone and Mark Stone coming back from a back in back surgery at the end of January. You figure that it might be a bit tough for them to do a lot of damage and they had a lot of question marks in net and kudos to Aiden Hill for looking like a legit starter in these playoffs. Maybe even more than that, he's looked elite a lot of nights and obviously Vegas has made it a bit easier with their defensive structure courtesy of Bruce Cassidy. But yeah, I just think that they they're peaking again at the right time. So they start off really hot uh, at the beginning of the season. They sort of died down a bit after that. And now they're, picking up where they left off. And the, the playoffs is a lot about being at your best at the right time, and Vegas is doing that in a way that it didn't seem like they could entering the playoffs. And Florida's doing the same thing, right? I mean, for, for a lot of the season, we were talking about who's the biggest disappointment this year, is it Calgary or Florida? Uh, Calgary gets one point more than the Panthers in the standings, um, but because East-West, the way the playoffs went, the wild card, etc., Calgary's on the outside looking in, Florida makes it in, and they've had this great run from being the the last seed to making the Stanley Cup final. They have a chance at winning their first ever Stanley Cup against Vegas. Looking at this matchup, Dom, between the forward group, I want to know who you give the advantage to. Because I think it's interesting. Vegas has the star power and a balanced attack, right? They get Jack Eichel, Mark Stone, but their bottom six has been unbelievable. But Florida might have the best two forwards in this series in mm-hmm. Kachuk and Barkov. So who, like, when you're looking at that, which one which one do you favor? Do you go with the top-heavy game-breakers, or do you go with the stars plus the depth? It almost seems like Vegas gets the edge there, but I'm curious what you think. I, I think it's Florida still, and I think it's because there is the Kachuk factor, the Barkov factor, and it is not just those guys. It's that next level that I think also best Vegas. I think Sam Reinhart, Carter Verhaeg, Sam Bennett is a nice support for those two elite guys. And when you look at I guess the top Anthony five Duclair as well. Yeah, Duclair as well though. I, I'm not sure if he's had the the best playoffs, but he's he's certainly up there. And Vegas has a lot of depth and a lot of strong defensive forwards, but I don't think they really have the the high-end depth that that Florida has, where at the top lineup they have a lot more in terms of difference-making players. Can Vegas's bottom six keep getting away with this? <laughs> We've been talking about <laughs> this. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, baby. It's uh, it's a mail-in Friday. I'm just I'm gonna just start reading your preview for you. But no, we've been I've been talking about on the show uh, as we've been previewing the Cup final for the entire week is when. Vegas's bottom six is on the ice. They are outscoring opponents 21 to nine. Are they going to be able to do that against Florida? Um, I think they can because I think Florida's fourth line, especially, is not very strong. I think it'll be tough against uh, the Lundell Ryan line with uh, Reinhardt, uh, maybe not Lusterin because I'm not sure if he's going to be healthy enough to play, but. That third line is really strong, so it might be tough there. But the fourth line, they can definitely exploit. It's just a matter of whether they can, as you as you read, keep getting away with it. Because a lot of the bottom six prowess that Vegas has had during these playoffs is just scoring on a lot more of their shots than maybe they should right now. I think 
their XG is only around 47%. So it's not like they're completely outplaying these other bottom six lines that they're matched up against. They're just getting the bounces that you need to get this far, and kudos to them for doing that. But it's possible that even if they outplay Florida's bottom six here uh, and their bottom two pairs or whatever, that they might not get the same puck lock, and it might not be sort of drastic scoring advantage for that reason. We're previewing the Stanley Cup final on the Atlas Pizza Guest Hotline with Dom Luschishin, senior national writer at The Athletic. Um, Dom, we haven't seen teams really break down Florida's defense, which I think with the exception of Montour, Ekblad, it's not great. Their blue line's not exactly one of the strengths of that team. How do you think Mm -hmm. Vegas is going to be able to take advantage of that in ways that other teams haven't? I think Vegas is might be the fastest team that Florida faces. I don't think Boston, that's really their strength. I don't think Toronto or Carolina, that's really what they do. I feel like those three teams are play more structured approach and they forecheck and they try to get in deep, whereas Vegas, I think, attacks a bit more off the rush, and that might be a bit of Florida's undoing because I don't think their defense, corps is, defense core is all that fast and all that great defensively I'm shocked that they had such a lengthy streak where they weren't giving up goals and Rofsky's obviously a big part of that and how they've changed their approach in these playoffs and playing it a bit safer and parking the bus a bit but even the Montour pair because he's playing with Mark Stahl like that pair is getting out chanced and outscoring these playoffs it's just that the other two pairs are are doing a bit better to to make up for it. but Mark Stahl has been really really bad in these playoffs and i think he's uh an exploitable part as is probably the the bottom pair as well Mm -hmm. um looking at some more of these matchups that are going to happen with the forward lines here dom i think we're going to see a lot of william carlson versus matthew kachuk lots of Mm -hmm. barkov versus eichel slash the eichel marchiso barbashev line which has been unbelievable are those kind of the two big matchups that you're looking at how they're going to try to shut down Kachuk and how Florida's going to try to shut down Eichel? Yeah, I I think so. That's been sort of the the MO in these playoffs where Barkov sort of got the, the matchup lines and Kachuk has been able to sort of feast on, I guess, the secondary lines or whatever. And the same thing for Vegas. They, wanted, they probably started with Mark Stone against tougher opponents, especially against Winnipeg, but I don't think it was really working too well. And against Edmonton, I know Connor McDavid saw a lot of Carlson to the point that the coaching staff was so frustrated that they tried to get McDavid, the best player in the world, away from Carlson. That's a big kudos to Carlson for winning that kind of matchup, or at least playing it evenly enough to get a coach to do that. So we'll see if Kachuk can handle it better in his line. They've been playing so well, and Again, Carlson's part of that bottom six that's getting a bit outchanced during these playoffs and getting a bit lucky with goals. So maybe it works, maybe it doesn't. But the thing with Vegas is they are so deep that if it doesn't work with Carlson, maybe it works with Stone instead, or maybe they just go Eichel against Kachuk. It'll be an extremely interesting matchup game because of all the moving parts for both teams uh, up front. And I wonder how, if it ends up being Carlson versus Kachuk and then Eichel versus um, Barkov, if then we start to see a bit more from 
Mark Stone and Chandler Stevenson, because then they're the ones that almost get freed up to just cook with, you know, cook against Mark Stahl or, or against Florida's fourth line, third line, whatever it may be. It'll be interesting to see. What yeah, are the Panthers without, even, uh, oh no, go ahead, Dom. Sorry. Sorry. Uh, even like Florida's third line, like, They've got Sam Reinhart there. Anton Lundell's playing really well. So I think even that is going to be a tough matchup. So any of the top three lines on both teams, I think, have a chance to to dominate here. I like it. I think this is going to be a good matchup. But I feel like we need to go back a bit. Where are the Florida Panthers without playoff Bobrovsky? Not in the cup final, I don't think. Not in the second round either. <laughs> um, they They probably would have been done. I was... Personally, a bit stunned they even started with Alex Lyon in the first round because Bobrovsky was their starter. Bobrovsky was playing just as well before he got injured, and I I would have went with the guy with the pedigree, the guy who has the capability to play at a really high level, and he's shown exactly that since he's been put in the lineup. I He looks as dialed in as I've seen a goalie in the playoffs in a, a very long time. And we've seen a lot of great goalie performances in these playoffs. We've seen Vasilevsky dominate. Um, and Bobrovsky just seems like he's on a completely other level now. And there's a chance that the week-long gap will be an issue for him in terms of, like, losing his rhythm. But he'll be a huge problem to solve here if he can keep up even half of what he's doing. So I read in the power rankings today that you were – kind of wondering about if he's going to turn into a pumpkin because he doesn't have that, you know, rhythm to continue to thrive off of. But I think, I think he should be fine given the fact that he went almost a month without a start between the regular season and the first round when the Panthers started going to Alex Lyon more often. Like we, yeah, we he came in definitely. and immediately started making an impact impact, even though he didn't play for, for almost a month at the end of the season. You you make a very good point there, and I think he did start maybe a bit slow against Boston, and that might be an issue. But again, like he did have a month off, and he came in, and he was exactly what the team needed to be immediately. So there are all these narratives that will look like they were true at the end of this, of like, oh, we should have saw this coming, like mm-hmm. sort of this post hoc stuff. But I think how we started this segment is the way it should be. We don't know what's going to happen. That's part of the fun of this final is that it's two teams that have different strengths that match up well against the other, and we'll just see who can throw the best punch. Okay, so how about this? This isn't even a question, but I saw this on Twitter yesterday night. And this was on the Athletic Hockey Show podcast, I think, on the Thursday show. Maybe it was the Wednesday show. I'm not sure. I, You know, I'm really bad at listening to our own podcast on our network. But Mark Stone and Matthew Kachuk are both groomsmen in Brady Kachuk's wedding this summer. <laughs> I just hope everyone has a good time once they're all together after the Stanley Cup final and there's no hard That'll feelings. be an iconic photo after. They're going to both be on, like, either side. Like, you know, you know Kachuk's going to be on the far left of all the groomsmen and, Ma- and Mark Stone's going to be on the far right. Brady Kachuk's going to be in the middle. He's Switzerland. Maybe maybe it'll be different this time. Maybe Matthew will get together with Stone, take a photo, and be more chummy. Like like we see in basketball, uh, LeBron and Steph are rivals on the court, but off the court I feel like they have a mutual respect for one another. And I think 
It doesn't need to be there doesn't need to be animosity in the wedding party because of uh, this matchup. I think they can <laughs> look back and have a beer over it, maybe. <laughs> I hope so. I feel like it would be really hard though to like be at bunch you know go to the I don't know go to whatever pre wedding events and then the wedding with the person that just uh, won the pinnacle of your sport and you lost. It's like one person's at the highest point of their life work-wise, and then the other one's like, oh, I just lost. Yeah. Dave was our producer just, producer just texted in. Dave with the cup, it's Brady Kachuk's wedding. Taylor, <laughs> that's terrible. <laughs> or you can wear your ring, I don't know, make it spicy. Ooh. I feel like that would just be also be a slap in the face to Brady, who uh, it's his big day, and maybe Matthew yeah, overshadows right. it with a cup ring. That'd be a little rude. Yeah, you know what? It's not even going to matter. They're going to have a great time. I saw that on Twitter, and I thought it was very funny. Um, we just have a few more minutes left with you, Dom, so I want to get to your Consmite watch. Last time you came on the show, we were talking about Team Jacob Slavin. Obviously, the Carolina Hurricanes are out. Who should be? Who should we be looking for next? I feel like some of the candidates are, are quite obvious, but who's at the top of the list right now for you? Yeah, it's the, the obvious candidates to... Anyone who's watched and anyone who's even paid remote attention for Florida, it's Bobrovsky, who's saved a million goals above expected. Absolute rock. It's Matthew Kachuk, who is not just playing amazing, but doing it in such a timely way that he is doing interviews for People Magazine right now because he's become the face of the sport with his just extreme level of clutch. And I think there's... With the way he's playing, I feel like his uh, playoffs have been the most memorable that we'll be talking about for a long time. Maybe the same goes for Bobrovsky. I don't know. But those are the two guys for Florida for sure. And for Vegas, it's, I think, the top two guys from their top line. That's Jack Eichel and Jonathan Marcheseau. Uh, if you watch, you know Eichel's the guy bringing the puck up ice. He's strong on the forecheck. He is setting up chances galore. But... Marcheseau has the better 5-on-5 numbers right now. Away from Eichel, he put up stronger numbers. He's only one point back of Eichel now and has a few more goals as well. So it's a tough choice between those two guys for Vegas, tough choice for the two guys on Florida. And we'll have to see, I guess, who performs best in the Stanley Cup final. might be a recency-biased thing where the MVP of the final is the MVP of the, the playoffs. It's that close right now, and... There's some, some dark horse candidates, too. I think William Carlson has scored a bunch of goals, I think 10 or something. And if he has a big final, maybe he mm-hmm. leaps to one of the top two. Um, Aiden Hill, obviously, has been amazing for Vegas. And I don't think it's a dark horse necessary for Florida, but we got to shout out Carter Verhage, who's been also amazing for Florida. Yeah, I think my dark horse is William Carlson. That's mm-hmm. been one that I've been pumping a little bit. He's got... Three goals in four elimination games so far, or series yeah. clinching games so far, excuse me. And he's obviously been taking on a lot of those tough matchups. Um, Matthew Kachuk doing an interview with People Magazine is something I didn't see until you just brought it up. Yeah, I think he might have also be doing some with GQ. I don't know. I can't wait till he hosts SNL next year. That'll be fun. <laughs> Oh, gosh. Okay. Well, I just feel bad because I feel like there's Flames fans who are like, I just want to stop seeing this and hearing about it. It's cruel. I can imagine. And, uh, yeah, I can imagine 
bad, but the boy is thriving. Can't deny that. You're right. Well, thanks for this, Dom. Have fun watching the cup final tomorrow. Anytime. I am excited. I hope it's a 7-6 game. That'd be sick. Oh, like, oh my. You want... I just want a barn burner right off the bat. No? (laughs) Game one. Unbelievable. You know, Matthew Kachuk and Jack Eichel dueling hat tricks. Yeah. That goes overtime. Ooh. Ooh, fun. Just one overtime, though, not two. Yeah, but like it, it, we get the whole overtime, and we just yeah, like it's like people. two, like one minute left. Yeah, and then Kachuk wins. Why not? Four goal <sighs> night. Okay, okay. Let's see. We'll check back in. I'll, I'll text you if that happens. Trick, obviously. Yes. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. That that completes a hat trick. It's not like he already had a hat trick and then he gets four. Okay. That makes mm-hmm. more sense. That's more doable. <laughs> I think. Let's will it into existence. Yeah, it's doable. We'll see. Thanks for this. Anytime. Okay, there goes Dom Luce-Chishin, senior national writer at The Athletic, teeing up the Stanley Cup final on the Atlas Pizza Guest Hotline with us. Um, yeah, if you want to place your bets, 7-6 final, uh, Florida Panthers win. Matthew Kachuk, Jack Eichel both have hat tricks. I'm not a betting person, but I feel like that would be some kind of parlay that would pay out really well. Should Would I recommend you do that? I'm not so sure. Maybe like a sprinkle of a dollar each, but again, I'm not a big, uh, not a big betting content person, so take that with a grain of salt. And that conversation with Tom it was brought to you by Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar, using the same secret recipe since 1975. You can dine in at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. Takeout or delivery at 403-248-3344. Um, a little bit of Flames news that came out yesterday after our show was over. Um, it was the signing deadline for some of the drafted players from 2021. Um, so the Flames yesterday opted not to sign for players from the 2021 draft class. That's Cole Huckins and Cameron Wynott. Both were selected in the third round. Cole Jordan in the fifth round and Jack Beck from the sixth round. They also didn't sign uh, 2019 fourth round pick Lucas Fuke. Um, so he's going to become an unrestricted free agent. The first four players from 2021 will re-enter the NHL draft for 2023. The deadline was yesterday at 3 p.m. So that came uh, just at the end of Hockey Central yesterday. I think there's been quite a bit of unrest um, around those moves and how it's a strange first order of business for a new GM, Craig Conroy. Um, I feel like those four players that were selected, that was during the pandemic impacted NHL draft. I mean, there was players like Jack Beck who barely played. They didn't get a ton of runway. There wasn't a lot of, you know, quality scouting opportunities for these players. And it's obviously not ideal to have four of the eight players you drafted 2021 not get signed. Um, but I guess my two cents would be if the Flames saw NHL upside in those players, I think we can fairly assume that they would be signed to entry-level contracts. I don't know. Maybe I'm missing something. Let me know in the text line, 960-960. Um, maybe there's someone who's been a really big fan of what Cameron Watt's been doing and Junior or Jack Beck. I don't know. I feel like I feel like I 
err on the side of, I mean, if there was something there, they would have been signed. And now those players are going to get an opportunity to get redrafted in this 2023 draft that's coming up at the end of the month. Um, all right, so I wanted to get to that little bit of news. Uh, we'll continue to track the coaching search in Calgary. Again, I believe that that search started, that interview process started, I should say, this week. So we will keep you posted on that next week as the show continues. Uh, but first, we're going to head to a break. When we come back, we're going to be joined by Rondeep Jonda from Hockey Night Punjabi and Sportsnet 650 Canucks Game Day. He's going to join us as we continue to tee up the Stanley Cup final, which begins tomorrow. That's next on Hockey Central and Sports at 960 The Fan. This is Hockey Central 960 with Haley Salvian on your official home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right. After a week of breaking down new coaching hires, new GMs, introductory press conferences, new president of hockey operations, All that good stuff that has to happen before the Stanley Cup final begins. The Stanley Cup final is going to begin tomorrow, Saturday night, puck drop at 6 p.m., 8 o'clock Eastern, between the Vegas Golden Knights and the Florida Panthers game one Stanley Cup final tomorrow night. As we continue to preview the Cup final, we're going to head back to the Atlas Pizza Guest Hotline and bring in our second guest, final guest of the week, Last but not least, certainly not least, it's uh, Rondeep Jonda from Hockey Night Punjabi and Sportsnet 650 Canucks game analyst. He enjoys us now. Thanks for doing this, Rondeep. How are you doing? I'm doing well, Haley. Thank you very much for having me. It's uh, my first time on your show, so it's uh, awesome yes. to be on with you. I'm so happy that you're here. This is great. Um, I mean, in uh you know, not too late because we, we had lots of time. Cup finals finally here. Um, before we start looking at this matchup, I've got to ask you, because this is your first time on the show, mm-hmm. before we dive in on the final matchup, what are your thoughts on how the playoffs have gone to this point? Do you have any major takeaways or moments that have stood out to you as you've been kind of working these games and, and tracking the progress all the way to the cup final? Yeah, you know what? One of the things that really I've enjoyed, and this is what the playoffs are about, is you know those those tight games that we've had in the overtimes and outside of that four OT game. Whenever there's a blowout, whether it was Game Five um, versus Dallas and, and Vegas, they're kind of few and far between. I know the first round there was, uh, you know, with the second round specifically, Edmonton versus Vegas felt like every game was a blowout until the end of the series. But for the most part. The, the sheer amount of overtimes, you know, the overtime challenges that we've been doing on Twitter when everybody's getting their picks wrong, uh, that to me shows that, you know, there has been high drama. Unfortunately, later on in the playoffs, there's no Canadian team involved. So there's no real skin in the game for a Canadian audience. But, you know, working these games on Hockey Night in Canada up in Jumbie and, and just being able to watch them, you don't know how these series are going to go. You don't know how these games are going to go. And, and that really goes to the quality of hockey that's being played. And, and the star level, the talent level that this league has now compared to maybe 10 years ago, where you start looking at this series in the cup final, really it's a 50-50 toss-up. You don't know who's going to take this. And I've really enjoyed that, you know, that close nature of the games during the cup, uh, the playoffs and the cup final, hopefully. Absolutely. I think it was um, the second round where th- the first round is always my favorite. Mm-hmm. There were so many close games, so many good matchups. The second round left a bit to be desired for me. But then yeah. the last round between Florida and Carolina, that was a sweep, but it didn't, I, not to, you know, 
I know that there were some people who were maybe, you know, poking fun at Rod Brindamore, but that didn't feel like, you know, your run-of-the-mill blowout four-game sweep. That one was really close. And then, obviously, uh, Vegas and Dallas, you know, the first couple games were great for the Dallas Stars, uh, but they made it interesting until it wasn't in game six, and Vegas just took control and never really seemed to lose control of that series or those games. But uh, I'm excited to see what happens between these two teams in the cup final. Um, you're heading down to Vegas for game two. Is that right? I will be in Vegas for game two. So I'm looking forward to that. I'll be in studio for game one here in Vancouver uh, for hockey Night Canada, Punjabi, but yeah, uh, Vegas in the playoffs never experienced that. So I'm looking forward to that. I was talking about this last week with one of our guests who's in Vegas and you see the production value that they put into things during the regular season. And you just think, Oh my God, what are they going to do for the Stanley cup final? Yeah. And if I'm not mistaken, I believe they have like Will John doing the entertainment <laughs> yeah. uh, the game that I'll be there for. So, you know, in classic Vegas style, they got to do their own way, but that is kind of the, uh, you know, I had a conversation for one of the minority owners of the Vegas golden Knights for hockey night in Canada up in Jubby. He's actually of South Asian background. It's a, it's a pretty cool story in its own right, but you know, there's a, a, there was a focus from day one to do it so differently and change up the NHL, and that's effectively what they've done. And to their credit, Florida, very similar in their own way, obviously with, you know, the fan base there, you know, they're the, at the butt end of uh, many jokes when they wouldn't be anywhere near a sellout, but now, you know, there's a new enthusiasm there. And, and I was at the All-Star game in, in Florida a few months back where, you know, playing hockey with the beach right behind you, essentially, whether it's Fort Lauderdale or Sunrise, there's just a, a nice way to see hockey in a different way. We have our, you know, our Canadian way of seeing it in the frozen ponds, but like, you know, hockey culture, it's growing. And we're seeing hockey in places that we never, ever thought that we'd actually see hockey. And, and that's one of the things that's actually really cool about this cup final. And I believe in Vegas, they have the pool party. So, you know, usually you can go into the square and they put up the screen and you watch it outside the arena when the team's on the road. Vegas has a pool party at one of the hotels. It's just unbelievable. I love seeing things things different. I mean, Carolina, they have their um, people will go out and um, tailgate before games. And, yeah, in Las Vegas, you can you can have a pool party and watch the Stanley Cup final. With Lil I'll John make sure to tell you any, any tweets that I that I you know I partake in at the pool party or if there's like a free game <laughs> festival, I'll, I'll make sure to tag Sports at nine sixty in, in any of those tweets. Yeah, I can't wait. It looks unbelievable. I'm gonna live vicariously through you. Um, looking at this matchup a little bit deeper, we were mm -hmm. chatting about some of the you know big matchups with Dom Luschichin. He was the first guest on the show, but there's no shortage of of storylines and important matchups. I think one that I've circled that. It got a lot of attention, but probably for the wrong reasons. It's Mark Stone. He had back surgery at the end of January. A lot of people initially looked at that and said, all right, they're circumventing the cap again. Here we go. This is how they're going to, you know, get under the cap floor, and then they're going to go and make a push at the in the Stanley Cup playoffs. I don't think Mark Stone would be having back surgery if there wasn't something actually happening there. And he has the surgery at the end of January, starts his rehab, and now he's in the Cup Finals He's third on the team in points. He's leading the playoffs and takeaways. He's one of the best defensive players in the NHL. I feel like that is such a great story. And, I mean, it sounds silly to say about Vegas' captain, but it's a story I don't know if it's getting enough attention, this comeback for Mark Stone. No, and that's a great point because let's go back to that series against the Edmonton Oilers where they were targeting him, where they were 
uh, you know, there was no secret that that was a, a situation that was going to be exploited in that series. And I guess, it, I, you know, I, I understand it's all fair in playoff hockey, but this is a guy that clearly, even during the regular season, when we saw him play in certain moments, you can see he was not right. And to have him now, as you mentioned, with all the statistics, whether it's takeaways, whether it's points, and the reality is, if you start looking at some of those players in that top six, that top nine, and we had maybe prior to the playoffs or prior to the season talked about if Vegas makes the Stanley Cup final, who's going to be the Conn Smythe candidate? Most people would say Jack Eichel or one Mark Stone. And he's not really in that conversation, which tells you that clearly he's not perfect right now. His game is not perfect. He's probably not 100%. We can see that but it speaks to the type of competitor that he is and why he's captain. So I look at Mark Stone in this series specifically. I think it's going to be a really interesting spot for him in his line because you'd expect Jack Eichel to get, you know, premium attention from whether it's a, a Sasha Barkov line, uh, maybe to pair up there. Um, you'd expect William Carlson to play against Matthew Kachuk. Does that leave Chandler Stevenson and Mark Stone an opportunity to go against the third line? No disrespect to Anton Lundell, who's a good player in his own right, or another line essentially playing against the third line of Florida, that's going to be an opportunity for the second line of Vegas to, to put up some points. And Mark Stone, um, you know, could have a, a big Stanley Cup final series here, but it has been one of those underreported stories because there's been so much else to talk about that Stone is kind of flying under the radar right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jack Eichel, he hasn't lost a playoff series in his career nope. yet. It's been great to watch him uh, finally thriving. (laughs) Yeah, I know. There was some kind of hex has been lifted, I guess. He's been unbelievable. I mean, you know, he's back checking. He's not scoring a ton of goals, but he's uh, he has some goals. But I mean, he's still playing very well. He's leading the team in points. Uh, I mean, William Carlson, Aiden Hill. Is there a storyline in this final that? particularly jumps out to you, whether it's someone from Vegas, maybe it's Kachuk, Bobrovsky. What's uh, what's one of the big ones for you? I think the biggest storyline for me will be uh, William Carlson. I think for me, if I had to pick a Vegas player right now heading into this cup finals, the Conn Smythe contender, I-, I like William Carlson in this discussion. He's going to match up against one of the top two lines, most likely Matthew Kachuk, but you, know, you could see a-, a situation where he goes against Barkov. And I look at you know, what he's done offensively is one thing, 10 goals, but his two-way game, he's been a difference maker. He's only been on the ice for five, um, five on five goals against. And if you look at who he was paired up against or matched up against, Kyle Connor uh, in the first round, then you had Connor McDavid in the second, Jason Robertson, and he did an amazing job against every single one of those players. So if it is William Carlson versus Matthew Kachuk, is that an opportunity where yet, Again, you know, he's playing excellent defense. He's, he plays that two-way game, and he can, to a certain extent, at least contain uh, a Jack Eichel and free up one of those other lines, where whether it's a Jack Eichel, whether it's a Mark Stone, to, to really, you know, beat on uh, in the series and, and put up points. So I think the William Carlson storyline, where that first year when they went to the cup final, he was the goal scorer. He was the guy that was a, a revelation. What have you done, Columbus, by letting him go? He was also very young at that point. Now you're seeing a, you know, a tried-tested NHL vet who understands he doesn't have to light up the scoreboard, even though he has, he has done in the playoffs. He doesn't need to do that. His two-way game is making such a difference. So for me, I, I just want to see that deployment and see what kind of job he can do against either Barkov or Kachuk. 
Mm-hmm. Who do you think is the edge at the end of the day here? If you had to, if you had to wager a guess, because I think everyone's on the same page. I think everyone thinks this is going to be a close cup final. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, who do you think's winning the Stanley Cup for the first time? Because neither of these teams have won before, so I think that adds an extra compelling element that we're about to see a team uh, win the Stanley Cup for the first time ever. Who do you think it's going to be? I think the edge in this series and the X factor, if you want to call it that, will be Sergei Vorovsky, right? This is a guy that's been getting the headlines. It's been a heck of a story, 935 save percentage. But what happens to the good vibes? What happens to the momentum after this long layoff? And if we start looking at the Panthers, and their goals against have been low, big part of that has been Bobrovsky. But defensively, they do give up chances, whether they're slot shots, whether they're passive. They are a little porous defensively, and Bobrovsky has an excellent job of really, you know, filling the cracks in that perspective of just being able to be lights out, and they get timely goals from a Matthew Kachuk or, you know, their resiliency uh, that they've shown in the playoffs. So I do think, you know, that long layoff and the ability of teams bouncing back or continuing what they started, it's going to be tough for the Panthers, but especially for a goalie that's been so up and down in the last couple of years. So in the end, I do have the Vegas Golden Knights winning the series. I think their depth is just going to be that much better. They don't take shifts off. They come at you in four different lines. They're a team that, you know, is going to really pressure that Florida defense and a defense that has been, even though they don't give up goals, they do give up opportunities. So really, this is going to rely on Bobrovsky to be out of this world good against a, a juggernaut of a team in Vegas or a well-oiled machine that has the ability of when they need to go, you know, full, you know, put their foot on the gas pedal, they're able to do that. Well, when you need games to be just kind of you know, ground down and, and essentially slowed down, they're capable of doing that too. So I give the edge to Vegas because I think that depth, both offensively and defensively, is just going to be a little too much for this Panthers team. Mm-hmm. I think that it's interesting. The Panthers kind of have that strong forecheck, whereas Vegas is very quick. They're very good on the breakout. They've got the defensive structure, whereas Florida's had, you know, they've been, you know, buoyed by Sergei Bobrovsky and his performance. I was just mm-hmm. looking up on Evolving Hockey when you brought him up there. Uh, 21 goals saved above expected for Sergei Bobrovsky. So where would they be without him? Uh, not in the Stanley Cup final, I don't think. Um, I guess the last one for you, uh, while we have you on for a couple more minutes of the show, is Bruce Cassidy. I feel like, and even Paul Maurice, I just feel like the storylines behind the bench are compelling as well. But especially for Bruce Cassidy, who was fired by the Boston Bruins, then he watches them you know, set records in the regular season, then flame out in the first round. And now he has the Vegas Golden Knights, as you've mentioned. You know, they've got the depth, but they're playing a system that is effective in both the offensive zone, the D zone, all three zones, really, in all situations. I mean, they could maybe be better on the power play, but Bruce Cassidy has this team clicking along uh, in a really great way. So I think that's a that's a great storyline to watch as well is, is what he's done with this team. Absolutely. And this is something that even covering, you know, the games on Hockey Night during the season or doing coverage on Sportsnet 650 when the Canucks would play the Vegas Golden Knights, you could see that there was a, a real, you know, even-keeled approach to this team where they didn't panic too much. This was a team that went through five goalies during the regular season. This is, you know, a, a situation where it hasn't been easy for Vegas. We, we talk about the Mark Stone injury. We talk about the goalie carousel. Um, it and the expectations within that ownership group to win a cup, get it done now. Uh, we're in this window to win within six years, as Bill Foley famously said. So there is pressure there, but 
you know, one of the things I heard from a player that played for Bruce Cassidy back in the AHL, and, you know, your, your listeners may remember him from his WHL days, A.J. Baines, former captain of the, the Kamloops Blazers, he did mention that the accountability factor in a Bruce Cassidy room is that is extremely important. It doesn't matter who you are, whether you're the first line or you're the 13th forward, it doesn't matter where he's going to ask the absolute maximum from his players. And yes, over time, that may wear thin, as it seems like it did in Boston. But the fact of the matter is, there's accountability in that room. There's a standard that you have to hit. And that's what we've seen from game one all the way to the playoffs from Bruce Cassidy. So that culture, maybe the DNA did not change of their organization, but the personality definitely, definitely changed into Bruce Cassidy. And you can see it on the ice. They generally don't panic. They play a very, you know, um, uh, very calm game. And yes, they have that ability to power back in games. But, you know, when they have to go maximum, when they have to exert as much uh, effort as they possibly can, they need to, they can do that. But also at the same time, they've shown that they can win a game at 75 or 80%. And I really feel that's the, the Bruce Cassidy impact that he's shown that, hey, there's, it, we need to be a professional hockey team. You do your job, but let's not go hero mode in some of these plays. Don't make mistakes. Puck management has been a huge thing in Vegas all year long, and we're seeing it at the most important time of the year. Mostly, they've done a pretty good job when it comes to limiting their mistakes. All right. Well, we're almost there. Media Day is underway in Vegas, and uh, Gabe wins tomorrow. Thanks for doing this. We'll have to do this again before the Cup is awarded. Thanks so much, Rundeep. Well, thank you very much, Haley. Have a great weekend. There goes uh, Rondeep Janda from Hockey Night Punjabi, and he's on Sportsnet 650 Canucks Game Day as an analyst as well. And he joined us there on the Atlas Pizza guest hotline. We got to get out of here. Got more programming coming up here on the station, and we'll be back next week on Hockey Central to break down the first couple games of the Stanley Cup Final. Can't wait. Have a good weekend, everybody. We'll be back on Hockey Central on Sportsnet 960 The Fan.